You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the room. We took all the stars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 270. We're discussing the AT&T Discovery merger and what it means for DC film and opening up that nerd room mailbag. I'm on your host, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And you know what? This week we're missing two of the boys. We're missing Sanjay. We're missing Troy. You didn't catch them off the intro, but we've brought in a very special guest host for this week from the Tumbling Saber podcast. We've got our good friend, Kyle, my dude, welcome back to the Nerd Room. Guys, thanks for having me. It is always a huge honor and pleasure to be in the Nerd Room. Gotta tell you, man, pleasure is all ours. It's been it's been not too long, but a little while since you've been on the pod. But you're coming off a, a big hiatus in the podcasting yeah. space. The Tumbling Saber is back in a major way, guys. I think you're about a month into your new shows, and I'm loving having the boys back in my ears appointment listening how's how's it been for you over the last couple of months and what's it like being back at the mic dude yeah no it's been good um yeah i i, I took a break for a while life things getting in the way and then getting in the way again so i stepped away from the mic for a bit and i thought you know i'll come back when it feels right i'm not going to rush back you know this this is a hobby not a job i'll come back when the, the timing is right the timing became right, so we came back. Uh, we dropped our seventh episode today, actually, as we record, since coming back from the hiatus. And uh, we're still the same old trio uh, of, of dumbbells talking about Star Wars and, and whatnot <laughs> and, and complaining about steakhouses closing and whatever else comes across our, our, our radar. And uh, sometimes, you know, some, once a month, I still try to fit in uh, Nathan and Marie so we could talk mm-hmm. about the comics and books of Star Wars. But it's been good. Uh, I've, I've changed a bit of the way we approach the podcast in that I'm not so much interested in talking about unofficial news or rumors and speculations. I'm happy to listen to people talk about it myself. I, I want to talk about the actual stories and come up with our own unique topics to discuss things with that might be a bit more evergreen that might, uh, you know, stand the t- test of time a bit longer rather than, Oh, so, so-and-so has been cast in star Wars. Maybe what do you think they're going to do? <laughs> I don't know, but whatever it is, I think it'll be fine. Next. And <laughs> we did that for five years and it, it it wore thin. So we're doing things a little differently now. I think it's a little fresher, a little more relevant. And I'm uh, just back and having fun, having a lot of fun with it. Oh, well, it's, it's great to have you guys back, like I was saying. And it's interesting. We've seen a lot of people that we've been podcasting with for years drop off and some come back to the mic and some don't. I'm really happy that you guys got back at it because it gives me my Star Wars fix every single week. And it's great to hear you guys refresh. I can, I can hear that in in your voices, that you're back at it. And I'm loving that there's some momentum again behind Star Wars in a positive way with the Bad Batch, the High Republic. We're going to touch on a few of those things here in just a few minutes. But it's great to have you here too, man. So let, let's jump into it. You know, the way we kick these episodes off, Every single week is with This Week in Nerd. My favorite segment. And Kyle, you are so familiar with this. You've done it before. I got to know what you've been up to. And then, of course, we're going to bring in the goddamn Batman. Because you got something special 
my dude. <laughs> I didn't get anything, but special things <laughs> did enter my house. <laughs> so Kyle, man, bring us home. What have you been up to in the last week or two in the nerd space? So people who listen to us will know that I've been sort of very, mm, what's the right word? Uh, not pleased with <laughs> with collecting in Star Wars. And it's not, it's not the product's fault. The products are fine. But as a vintage collection and Black Series figure, distribution's been a mess. I've been in DMs with both of you guys at some point saying, <laughs> what the? F- <laughs> this is the worst. It, I don't know who I don't know who to blame. I don't really care, but it's been so frustrating. So, uh, but one thing I've always been as a collector and pivoting to something else has not been a problem for me. Mm-hmm. And if if Hasbro and and Walmart's and all these different players are not going to get it done, I have I have I have, I have a lot of things that I'm interested in: comics, Marvel, DC, Image. Hasbro can lose me in a second. And I will land on my feet somewhere else. So, yeah. and that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm kicking the tires a little bit on the whole, you know, buying like key issues and potentially going to the point of having them slabbed at some point because I just love the look of of that type of thing and having it immortalized in that case. And um, I, I, like I said, I've been kicking tires on that. But yeah, you and Corey, man, that guy's DMing me all the time. I got all these issues. <laughs> it's funny because we him and i didn't really talk about it but we both sort of were like I, I i don't know if he's feeling the same way about hasbro but we've both been kind of like gravitated toward it. and i don't know what's pulled us toward it because we we haven't spoken about it until we both realized that this is what we're doing and so now now we've been talking like hey the, I, I i just got these this week like i i package came a couple days ago of, of of shrewd purchases that i think i made over the last you know, a couple of, a couple of days. They're within reach here, actually. First appearance of Dollmaker. Not a nice. not a big name. I know Carlos has probably got this one. First appearance of Tim Drake. Come on. There we go. You can't beat that. That's a cool comic. And like the, all these comics that I've got Classic here. Classic cover. Here, Carlos, I was talking to you about this in DM just the other day. Oh, there you go, man. You did it. You pulled the trigger on it. So that's, well, it's it's not the first appearance of Lobo, but it is that, that 1993 series. And all these books, I'm... And like I said, I want to, I don't want to, I'm not breaking the bank here. These are five, $10 issues that I'm just happy to have them. And if they turn out to be something big, awesome. If not, cool. I, at least I, at least I'm playing around in a different space of collecting a different branch of the tree that is right now keeping me interested. So mm-hmm. that's kind of been my weekend nerd. And I, I now I, I'm dying to hear what the, the goddamn Batman's up to. <laughs> oh, shit. He's got... You're going to love it, man. <laughs> well, I wasn't lying when I said I, I don't have anything. Like, I'm I'm slumming it out there, like, going through the Hot Wheels racks, trying to <laughs> it with my fingers crossed in the hopes that I find the Pattinson Batmobile. There's a few guys that have found them uh, sneaking their way into cases out there. So I, I'm slumming it out there. But then uh, Saturday rolls around, and Bruce Wayne has Dick Grayson. The goddamn Batman of the nerd room. I got thick Grayson because <laughs> I, I, I'm throwing I'm throwing some weights around downstairs, and I get like a notification on my phone that my doorbell cam has gone off, and kind of ignore it. And then I get like a DM, and I'm like, "What's going on?" And it's Troy, and he's like, "Dude, I was in your area. I just dropped something off for you." And uh, go outside, go to our little bench, open it up, and in there, he's got this beautiful custom 
Troy the Boy custom Bizarro figure. It is incredible. Like he took the body from the infected Superman and the head from McFarlane's new Bizarro figure, cut the backwards S off of the Bizarro figure, perfectly placed it on the infected Superman's body and gave my daughter this fully realized, like pulled off the page, Ed McGuinness style, classic bizarro like it couldn't be any better uncle todd would give that the 800 percent seal of approval amazing <laughs> and then not only does he have that but she's been low-key chasing a kylo ren black series figure and in the bizarro package is the black series kylo ren with the unmasked head because i think like low-key she is a bit of a Raylo shipper and so uh <laughs> That was kind of the one she was hoping for, but she couldn't find one with the head that she liked, but fell in love with this Kylo Ren figure that Troy had put together for her. So she gets these two amazing figures out there and she's gushing over these things. Like I have to send Troy pictures of her beaming over these figures and she's beside herself. And then I get an email from my local saying your life-size Grogu Hot Toys is in. (laughs) And this wasn't me. This was my daughter. So, you know, some guys got to worry about giving their teenage kids walking around cash. Not me. So this kid had put together 80% of the purchase for this Grogu Hot Toys with just saving birthday money and money cleaning her great grandma's house and stuff like that. And all I did was put in the order and paid the balance for it kind of thing but uh yeah after months of waiting we go to the local on saturday and pick up this life-size grogu and he's amazing like it's incredibly cute and he's got this articulated jaw so you can throw a few different expressions on him and a couple sets of ears and hands and it's unreal and he hasn't left our coffee table because he's almost like our our new baby in the house kind of thing so (laughs) i don't know if and when she'll take him and put him in her room but uh nobody's complaining because he's a pretty cute little bugger. It is uh, it is funny to watch her. She'll come into the house and saunter over to him, put her finger in his hand. Like I was like, it's not a real freaking baby. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, it's so cool, to be honest with you. Like, there, there's images up at the NeuroM on Instagram of this Grogu sitting in the goddamn Batman's house. And look, there's been more Star Wars stuff going into that house than mine or Troy's and it's incredible to watch like a year ago did you imagine that you'd have a life-size Grogu sitting on your coffee table in your house I know well it's funny because we had this conversation at dinner because she's watching Rebels and she's up to the Twilight Apprentice episodes and beautiful but we had watched them because she fell in love with Ahsoka having seen her on the Mando that was the first time she got introduced to the character and she was like blew her mind she's like who is this this character is amazing and then she's since then watched clone wars in its entirety and is now on to well the end of season two of rebels kind of thing but she's like oh i wish you didn't make me watch them back then because we saw her on mando i was like oh i've been meaning to watch these episodes why don't we watch them together so she watched them thought they were cool but now she's like mad that i quote unquote (laughs) spoiled them for her and i was like listen a year ago, if you would have told me that I'd be driving to Northeast Calgary to go pick up 
Kanan and Hera from some rando off of Kijiji. Like, <laughs> I would have said you're dreaming, but uh, it, it's amazing. The world truly has changed over the course of the last year. Or so, yeah, I I absolutely love the passion that she has for stars. And the coolest part about this, and we spoke about this in the past with the with the young ones too. And Kyle, you're in the same space. Is that they they're finding their own way into these franchises through their own characters, and I think that's the importance of having these franchises extend beyond the legacy of them, extend beyond the OT and even the prequel into the sequels, into the animation. Everyone has their entry point and everyone needs that entry point to feel like that they found their Star Wars. And it being such a generational franchise is so important. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about my daughter having this realization and Kyle, you commented about this on Twitter about them recognizing at a very young age, especially the young females, that they don't have the same representation inside of these major franchises that that young boys do. Right. And and having characters like Ahsoka and Ray and, and Jin Erso, like they're so important for them to find their way into these franchises. And and it's so cool watching the evolution of all of our children and how they're kind of taking their own steps. They're not being forced in yes we introduce them to them but they ultimately make the decision whether they like it or not my daughter has no time for marvel all day for dc and that yeah. that's carlos <laughs> oh man it's crazy like with it literally started because we were at toys r us like hunting for my stuff and she sees the grogu black series figure she's like this is so cute can i get this and i was like i'm not buying you a figure if you haven't even watched the show like i'd watched the entire season at that point in time and yeah, she dove in like two, three episodes and was hooked. And now she's like on her fourth or fifth Star Wars novel, has watched <laughs> so good all the movies, obviously, but like watched the Clone Wars beginning to end, is well into Rebels, has a pretty decent little collection, of, but very curated Black Series collection. It's hilarious. Like, do you want this clone troop? No. No. <laughs> Captain Wolf isn't coming into my collection. I was like, really? but you're spending like this huge money on trying to chase a Rex. Like what's going on? You, you want to buy a captain Rex purse, but commander Wolf can't make it in. I, I don't understand, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, it is absolutely brilliant. And to cap this week off for me, it's, it's very much in the vein of what you were saying, Kyle. And we had, we had a great episode last week talking through collecting a very extended collecting roundtable, somewhat inspired by what you guys did on Tumbling Saber a few weeks back even. And a lot of it was around pivoting. And like you said, Kyle, pivoting to things when you're not finding the satisfaction in your main collecting focus. And a lot of us, Star Wars was that for a long time, but pivoting away from that when you're not getting that, that personal satisfaction from that is so important and i very much did that this week because i continued my venture into collecting art prints of franchises that i love and just today at the advisement and even at the uh, i would say the the tutelage of of carlos as i continued down this path of buying art prints he slowly kind of sent me oh there's a there's a tmnt one a, a cartoon tmnt being teased over at bottleneck and then he sends me a reminder today. Thankfully, he sends me a reminder today. Dude, it's going on sale in like less than an hour. And here I am. I'm in a meeting, a five-hour meeting this morning. And it's getting towards the end. I'm getting worried that it's going to be my time to speak. And I'm like, I can't have this happening at the same time as I'm trying to speak. And so luckily, 
my time to speak came about 10 minutes after I'm ferociously trying and refreshing to get this TMNT print. It is gorgeous. It's a villain cartoon focused print with the turtles in the foreground. Dan Mumford does it. The color is great. And I managed to secure, after trying to get one of the variants, I managed to secure the original 24 by 36 inch piece. Can't wait to get it. It sold out in about 10 minutes. The variant sold out in three minutes. By 10.03, they were all gone. And I got at 10.05, I managed to get a hold of the original piece. And by 10.10, they had said on Twitter that they were sold out. So wow. 10 minutes to sell out. Was there were about 300, 500 prints of this. I, I'm so happy I'm in this game. I don't know where I'm going to put it in the nerd room yet. But it's cool that I have my Jurassic Park one. I got this great TMNT one. And it's such a cool little arena. I could see how it could be frustrating if you're not able to be online exactly when it drops because these things go. But it's really cool to have this nice new little addition to the nerd room that I think brings a much needed precision or prestige to or even polishing to some of the posters I have in the nerd room beyond, like I've said before, the movie posters. So Carlos, man, you, you, you got me but I'm happy that I have this bug now and that I'm going down this path. Now I just need a Back to the Future one, probably, and a Ghostbusters one to drop. And then I think I'll be okay for a little bit. <laughs> I, I can't, I'm not even apologizing. I just you uh, told a story about uh, having to go pick up a Grogu. <laughs> this is... <laughs> <laughs> the and influence Dan, Dan, across nerd it's it's incredible dan mumford's awesome too like i don't know if you guys can see it but right here yeah, yeah. let's listen this is riveting for listeners but you guys can see it that is the uh, the first in first of four tfa prints force awakens prints from dan mumford oh wicked yes so I've got them, yeah they've got i've got them framed up in my right there and they run across the, the basement wall in the living room down there they're gorgeous they're amazing yeah he's such sweet, a great man. artist such a great artist and the take on this because carlos and i were talking about this before in the build-up to me purchasing it it's a, a villain's focus one which you usually don't get it's usually the the turtles you don't even see the turtles faces you just see their shells and the bandanas and you've got everyone from bebop and rock city you've got krang you've got uh, rat king baxter stockman's in there slash like the, it's the classic villains of this and i i like the spin on it because i got a lot of turtle stuff in here and those are always the figures that get the focus. But now having something with kind of a reverse spin on it, really cool. So super excited. I'll post a picture of it actually up on our Instagram just so you can have a good look at at the poster that will be entering the room hopefully within the next six weeks is what they're saying. So as long as there's not a, a major snowstorm in Houston like there was with my Jurassic print, I think I should be okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll get it. You'll get it pretty quick. They're good with their cute bunny, bunny rabbit uh, craft paper that they put in there. Ah. Awesome. Awesome. Can't wait. And the only other thing I did pick up, I will show the guys here, is uh, I got another Captain America Funko Pop. I got oh, nice. the, uh, the Avengers Assemble, the Amazon exclusive. I finally pulled the trigger. My wife had put in a fairly substantial Amazon order for our new RV. And I said, well, we're there. This makes no difference. Please put in this $30 deluxe pop of Captain America. <laughs> and the, it's a it's a cool little pop. I have a Captain America pop collection. It It is immortalizing the the circle avengers assemble and you're supposed to buy all six avengers and it creates like this nice little piece i'm only getting the cap but the cool thing is is amazon usually would ship these pops with just a couple bubble wraps around them this one actually came in a, a separate box inside of an amazon box so it kept actually the the box if you're an inbox pop collector 
it kept it pristine because of the way it was packed originally, which is really cool. Something different awesome. that I haven't seen before with these these larger Amazon or these larger exclusives. So it's nice to get my hands on an Avengers. I don't have an Avengers representation of Captain America and Pop style. And so Pops have squeezed their way back into the nerd room here. Only Captain America, but I'm happy to get my hands on this guy. And the other thing that, that we do have to talk about, we touched on this some of it last week when it comes to pre-orders and this onslaught of Marvel Legends MCU pre-orders here. <laughs> Man, the only thing that can explain my feeling about this is the gif of Michael Scott just proclaiming that he is bankrupt. <laughs> Every single day in the last week, we've gotten a 40 to $90 MCU Marvel Legends announced. So up until this point, we've got Endgame Thor, Quicksilver, Odin now. We've got a Thanos and Iron Man Endgame. We've got a Mark III from Iron Man 1 Iron Man suit. We've got a Happy Hogan and a Midas armor. And yesterday, they announced an Entertainment Earth exclusive searcher from Thor Ragnarok. Now, this Infinity Saga thing that they're doing, they seem to be framing out even beyond the Marvel Legends into the Lego too. There's an Infinity Gauntlet coming out. There is various sets. And then even on top of that Lego, there's a 3,800-piece daily bugle. So Mar I'm not going to get that. It looks awesome. But Marvel has been coming at us in a serious way. And that's just the MCU stuff. Like, the comics legends are coming fast and furious. I really don't know what I'm going to do here once <laughs> these start ordering. Because my wife yesterday did find my seven or whatever it was, six or seven pre-ordered Marvel Legend Disney Plus series. <laughs> oh, <And> no. <laughs> so she's like, what are all these Marvel Legends that are coming at $35 a piece on June 1st? It's like, uh-oh. She found them. So it it was funny. Giveaways for the podcast. Don't worry about those. Exactly. I said, I'm going to do reviews. <laughs> and maybe someday Hasbro will send me free figures. <laughs> That's the dream. That, that is the dream. the dream. I tell you, that is the dream. But it was funny. Before the recording, Carlos was saying, you took a year off last year of collecting Marvel Legends. And I, I rebuttaled by saying, yeah. And in the last three weeks, I've spent the equivalent to a year's worth of money on Marvel Legends just because of the pre-orders. It is absolutely insane, but in a really good way. You know, I think at least with the pre-orders coming from Amazon – which are semi-stable and EB games, which are usually pretty good. I'm pretty happy with what I've secured thus far. My wallet, eh, not not so happy. Future Tim has got a big problem. <laughs> he does. He, he certainly <laughs> does. Well, because the, the thing too is with the pre-orders, NECA, who I've been pre-ordering a lot of stuff from, from the turtle space, they collect the money up front. And so you take that hit initially right away. It's usually for one figure. And then when the figure arrives like three months later, it feels like a free figure. Of but course. with Amazon not collecting until they ship, and EB Games only collecting like five bucks, it's like when these Marvel Legends ship on June 1st, I'm going to get a bill for like seven Marvel Legends at 30 some odd dollars a pop. So, so with EB, were you able to put like just the small deposit online? Yeah, I had to. I called them and did it through a store. Oh, okay. So I just did the deposit for, for not all of them, for most of them. I was trying to to balance out. So I hadn't put the the deposit down on the Thanos and Iron Man yet, the big one, the $95 set. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a pretty big set. There's a lot of head swaps in there. But both of those figures are are repacks in, to some degree. 
Like they come with new accessories and a bit of wash on them. The Thanos especially is a, all you're getting is a, a snapping head and uh, the red Infinity Gauntlet or the Iron Man Gauntlet. So we'll see. I might wait on that one, hopefully for a bit of a discount because like at 90 bucks, it's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to justify sometimes, but I'll find a way to justify it. <laughs> so that's it. Like uh, the other thing I got to say when we're talking, when we're all in this collecting space and and it's great to hear what, what you're doing too, Kyle, every week. But from last week's episode, this this collecting roundtable, I just got to give a big thank you to, to all the listeners out there. We got a great amount of feedback on that episode. And uh, in particular, guys like Ian and Jared that that threw up some posts on Twitter just expressing their their love and appreciation for for the episode in general. And so I just want to give a big thank you to everyone out there that's listening, coming back each and every week, joining us on this this crazy wild journey that is nerd. And, and enjoying the aspects of positivity that we try to bring every single week. It's really important to us that we do bring that to these franchises because we all do love them. And the big thing is, for us at least, has been this Beyond Tag. And Kyle, you spoke to it, the pivoting to different franchises, different things, and loving what you love. It's so important, right? You can't let the little things that you don't like ruin the things that you love. And, and that is like the message that we try to bring every week. And we're so happy that it was so well received last week. So thank you so much to everyone for giving us the messages, DMs, all that stuff that, that really showed that what we did and what we are doing is, is something that you guys like. And that, that always helps motivate us and get us excited to get back to the mics. We're always excited to talk nerd, but that gives us that little extra boost each and every week. You know what I've learned real quick before we move on is... You know, and then, Tim, I know you've we've had this chat many times. It's it's this thing of focusing your collection and trying to stay locked in on something. And I, for the longest time, I was you know locked, definitely locked on Star Wars, vintage collection, and Black Series. And you try to just sort of ratchet down on that and nothing else. But then you become so tunnel visioned to that thing that when they're not feeding you and you remain focused on it because that's a choice you made, like it, it doesn't work. No. So the it starts to feel like a chore to collect. Mm -hmm. So you can take that the focus end of it, or you can take the sort of go with the flow and just look for that constant satisfaction. And that's what pivoting is. Mm -hmm. That's just okay. You guys aren't doing it. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Like I've got money to spend on this stuff. Yeah, do it because you I'm love give it, it, right? Not because yeah, you feel I'm... obligated to get every single black series. I bought a black series in four months, five months, and that was my focus for years. And I've just said, I'm, I'm going to pause on this for now. And that's okay. It was hilarious. I went, I was mousing around on my phone and I found the very first episode of The Nerd Room that I had ever listened to. And there was a good chunk about you talking about being focused. And yeah. you had like your old setup with like the focus cubes and you called them and like having like a Vader focus cube and like being, like Kyle said, like just locked on to the Black Series collecting. And I was like, "This is—I've ruined that completely now, haven't I?" <laughs> but like, but in, like in the best way possible. Like, I've had more fun in the last two years collecting than I did. Like, and I, I had fun doing the Star Wars stuff, of course, Fridays, and but like you said, Kyle, you get so laser focused in tunnel vision that it becomes a chore, and you find yourself more frustrated than not. And that's 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 your hobby—the thing that you choose to do to escape the frustrations of life should not make you equally or more frustrated than you are in your day-to-day. -day. It's meant yeah, exactly. to be a release. <laughs> well, and like I, I remember when I kind of gave up with it, it was like all the 
Comic-Con exclusives and things mm-hmm. like that, you almost feel betrayed by this company that you're yeah. <laughs> supporting and giving your money to, right? And it's like, ah, oh, this isn't right. And and on their part, like there are some predatory type things that they do to try and get your money away from you and have you chase exclusives that you really shouldn't be chasing only to release them a few months later with a slightly different package or maybe in a better form than you you spent big money on before and yeah no i best rule of thumb is just buy what you like what'll make you happy will bring you some enjoyment and mm-hmm. and, and what's what is more deflating than fighting through doing the salmon swim upstream getting into that pre-order window locking it down and then a couple weeks later you get the email oh yeah it's been canceled we're so sorry for the inconvenience uh. but your pre-order's been canceled yeah, that Amazon Insert Mando. expletive. Yeah, that, that that nailed Carlos and I. We chased it for a while, but here's the, the bright side to that story. We both ended up with the figure at the end of the day. It was, it, yeah. was, it was harder, but we got there. And a very long way around the mountain. <laughs> yeah, a long way around, but, but it eventually came through. I spoke last week about a Jurassic Park figure that I've been chasing for 20, 30 years. And now it's sitting behind me. So life... We'll find a way if I can take a line from Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park. There you go. Round circle. So we're, we're going to put a pin in that because we're, we're going to switch over to a favorite topic, another favorite topic, and that's Star Wars. If you guys want your daily dose of Star Wars or your weekly dose of Star Wars, I should say, you can come here for once in a while, but I would recommend going over to the Tumbling Saber because these guys tackle it each and every week, and I love what they do, but we got to get well, we got Kyle here. We're going to get a little Star Wars talk in. We've got the Bad Batch. There is a lot of momentum I feel behind Star Wars. I I feel reinvigorated by this new series. I, Like we said a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't really anticipating this, but I found myself looking at Star Wars again with, not that I didn't have a favorable light on it, but it has this new shine for me. I'm, I want to go back and revisit the OT. I want to revisit the prequels. And I just feel... Like the little hiatus we had did real justice to to my love and passion for Star Wars. And the Bad Batch of all things is what's got me excited again. So I haven't watched episode three, actually, now that I say I'm all excited about Bad Batch. <laughs> but but I'm really enjoying this show. And I know you both have watched up to episode three. So are you guys feeling kind of the same way, Kyle? Are you feeling the same way about the Bad Batch and seeing a bit of momentum behind Star Wars again? Yeah, so when they announced this show, it was kind of already leaked that it would be happening. And to a man, all of us on the pod were kind of like, yeah, okay. We kept our expectations low throughout the hype cycle and just said, look, all I need is just to have a good time with this. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, you know, It's going to be a bit of a lore dump show to transition us from, from Republic to Empire. What did they do with the clones? Let's get some of those questions answered. And, and then the show comes out and it ends up being a bit more thought-provoking than than you thought. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Tim. There is a bit of momentum building. I'm looking at this almost as like an appetizer for what's yet to mm-hmm. come because we know there's currently four live-action series in production, in some phase of production right now with Mando Season 3 and Book of Boba Fett and or and Kenobi. Those are all shooting or in some form of maybe even post-production right now. Four. That's exciting. 
that's <laughs> that's that's what's got me amped and there's other stuff coming we have star wars visions coming later this fall so bad batch is, is sort of like this little appetizer that is keeping me entertained for now but my eye is still cast into fall 2021 late fall 2021 and especially 2022 now that we know celebration is happening uh like three months earlier than supposed oh, to that's a tough one for me too because like they, they just announced that when it goes from august to may and now i gotta decide am i gonna pull the trigger on it like is is the curse of me going to celebration going to continue, <laughs> continue? oh boy yeah was... so, but yeah just to say like it's coming like the avalanche of star mm-hmm. wars content is coming and that's what's got me hyped yeah so are you still doing the high republic stuff right oh yeah how how you feel yeah. about that? Because that's been kind of going on in the background of all this, building its own little segment of Star Wars through the comics and books. I've really enjoyed it. So I, you know, I'm a terrible reader, especially when it comes to novels. I go, I take so long to get through a novel. But the ones that I have picked up, and I, I've read um, Light of the Jedi, and uh, Into the Dark, and Test of Courage. Those are the three novels I've read. And they've all been uh, Light of the Jedi. I think might be my favorite new canon novel. I blitzed through that thing in a couple of weeks, which is extremely fast for me. But it was it was great. It was fantastic. Um, and then the other two were were pretty good too. I didn't enjoy them quite as much, but the comics, the the Marvel run, has been superb. I've loved it. It's been so good, and it's it it's doing its own thing. I think this is sort of going to be a two or three year era of stories that they do to keep the junkies sort of, you know, keep the smack flowing through the veins <laughs> when, you know, when an animated series just isn't enough, you know, they'll give us this, this weekly or monthly dose of, of print. And that will be sort of its own standalone piece of star Wars that tides us over until this avalanche that I was mm-hmm. talking about can really come in and consume us all. But yeah, it's been good. It's been uh not overly reliant on what's come before so you don't need to know really much about star wars at all in order to understand it it's uh, it it doesn't rely one of the great things about it is that the the sets of villains that they've introduced are not dark side force users so there's oh, not these cool. there's not you know it, they they got to cuz we know there's no sith in the prequels until palpatine and, and darth maul reveal themselves but they're out there in the shadows we haven't heard from them so we're dealing with these other villains who have different tactics and different motives. And it's been refreshing to find compelling villains in Star Wars that don't run around with red lightsabers. Mm-hmm. And they've done a good job of, of doing that. And seeing the Jedi, what they were as an order before the, the fall of the order in the prequels, that's been fascinating and, and, and somewhat insightful. Uh, so really, really interesting stuff. I know a lot of people are sort of on the fence about it and certainly a lot of people are dumping on it on social media without ever having read any of it, which classic is part for the classic internet trolling behavior, right? Just dump on it without knowing anything about it. But it's been, it's been, it's been good. I, I if anybody's still sort of thinking about it, I take a flyer on it. You know, it, it's, it's worth the time. How many comic series is it? Two? There's the Marvel series, yeah, the main one, and then IDW is doing sort of a, a younger focused one. But yeah, it's it's yeah. written by uh, Daniel Jose Older, who's, you know, he's he's a, a Star Wars veteran mm-hmm. in the novel side of things. So even his even his book his comic series is 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 doing it for me. It's been pretty good. Is the Light of the Jedi the novel? Is that the Charles Soule one? Absolutely. Yeah, and there's and a Claudia Gray one coming with... out as well, isn't there? 
for Claudia Grace came out. That was Into the Dark. Into the Dark. Okay, she's she's and, brilliant too. Yeah, I, that one I had a bit more trouble with, but okay. that's that, that was and it, I I put that more on me than than on her. It was just I just couldn't find a rhythm of reading. Often I read my novels at night at bedtime, so I read like five pages and fall asleep yeah, face down. I do the same thing, and then. <laughs> And then I don't remember what I read because yeah. I was half asleep. And then I got to go back and read those same five pages. And then it's just terrible cycle. And so it took me a while to get to get into the book, but it picked up and it was really cool. And it's cool to see these novels and comics play together and yeah. to, to read a comic and go, oh, I just read this in the book. And they're sort of putting into comic panels what you just read in a novel. And so it's building these visual links between all these different stories, these formats that, that is in a, in a, it's very, it's very gratifying to read as a reader. Yeah. It's kind of the first, I guess, cross media, like I guess within the books that they've done in a real connected way where it was purposely and narratively driven across multiple forms of media. Whereas before it was like, let's reference the movies in these books. But, and so that was always the appealing piece to me was that it was a bit more holistically brought together with Project Luminous and all these great creatives that have been working inside of the Star Wars space for quite a few years now, especially since the the relaunch and the rebranding of, of Star Wars and the recanonizing all of uh, these new stories. And so I have most of the Marvel comics and I have the Light of the Jedi on Audible already purchased. And so it's just finding the time to, to squeeze it in has been my biggest problem. But it's good to hear that that you're still continuing with it and you're still enjoying it. And I know you guys chronicle it uh, at least once a month over on the podcast, the books and the comic stuff with Nathan and Maria there. So if you want to get your fill on that, head over to Tumbling Saber. You can hear them hear them break it down uh, about once a month there. So that that's awesome to hear. And Carlos, Star Wars is, like we said earlier in the collecting, it, it's found some momentum. Are you still continuing on with the Bad Batch here? We're three episodes in, about to get episode four this week. Yeah, man, it's it's cool. Like, I'm loving it. Like, you know me, like, I'm all about those in-between pieces of mm-hmm. Star Wars and the ground level, like, what's happening with the people. It's all about the people for me. So that, I think it was episode two, where they get into the development of the chain codes mm-hmm. system and how it's affecting the populace and them just trying to get a flight off planet. Like, I loved it. I ate that up completely because i was like this is fascinating this is the stuff that i love about star wars and like kyle talked about that transition from the republic to the empire and how did they sell this or not sell it to a populace and i hope we get to see uh, because it's very underserved part of the story the people that embrace the empire Mm -hmm. and what it brings and uh they played with it a little bit in the clone wars but i'd really like to see those groups out there that are supporting Palpatine and what he's doing kind of thing and what they have to gain from it and how it affects the players in the, in the universe that we know about. But uh, yeah, I'm digging it so far. And these guys on their show brought up some interesting concepts around who Omega potentially is and what she could be the Omega could be the harbinger of. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm there for it. I'm dreading when these black series figures come out my kid has ordered from like three different sources to ensure that they're they're gonna show up for her but uh we'll we'll cross that road when we get to it well you certainly will (laughs) (laughs) so another topic as we move on here before we get 
and open up that nerd room listener listener mailbag is there's there's a, a big merger this weekend that we have to discuss and break down a little bit because of its implications potentially for for Warner Media, HBO Max, and ultimately DC Film. Now DC Film has been going through somewhat of a facelift and a rebrand over the course of the last couple of months coming off the back end of Zack Snyder's Justice League and reframing and pivoting towards their new franchises like The Batman, Black Adam, The Flash. A lot of momentum there behind some of those new movies going to active production and drawing a line in the sand on when we're going to see these and putting new faces to those franchises and namely The Rock, Dwayne Johnson being a big proponent of that, using his social media power to refocus the efforts on what is the new face to shift what is the words that he used is the paradigm shift inside of dc film yeah the hierarchy of power there it is the hierarchy of power i think he's speaking a bit more to us if you said in the past as you've said in the past carlos through his social media but but what is changing there and we're seeing even bigger changes on the corporate level now this corporate stuff that we're going to walk through i don't know about you guys but i find this immensely fascinating about these big mergers and what they're doing. And we're seeing a lot of this lately because of the game change in the streaming services and this real battle that's going on between these big, huge conglomerate media companies and what they're doing to try to buy into that streaming service space that has served and has really evolved in and throughout the pandemic here. I think we've seen a real expediting of that transition and maybe knocking upwards of a decade off of this leap into the direct to consumer services. And all these companies now are vying and merging to create these bigger companies to compete with the likes of Netflix and Disney, which has over the last decade gobbled up more companies, more large companies than anyone else. And AT&T who gobbled up Warner media a couple of years back, I believe, has now spun out Warner Media, so their media company, and are now combining that, merging that with Discovery, who, to be honest with you, before this merger, I wasn't aware that their overall lineup of of shows and media that they actually own, you know, CNN, HGTV, the Food Network, Discovery Channel, Discovery Plus. So there's there's a lot of content there, this real life interactive human content. There's going to be merging with the likes of your TBS, your TNT, your Warner Brothers, Studios, DC Film. So they're creating this, this big conglomerate of a company. So I guess my understanding is AT&T is your top company. They have kind of their telecommunication stuff. And now they're combining and making a brand new company that will be composed of both Warner Media and Discovery, creating a much larger company, media company, that is going to be highly focused on bringing content not only to the states but globally. So this is going to serve as as a as a global expansion as well because Discovery does have a footprint in Europe and in India, places that HBO Max has yet to penetrate. And what this does mean is that you're going to have a media focused company in this new division or whatever it's going to be called, controlling HBO Max and ultimately. DC film. Now, Carlos, I want you to break this down a bit from your perspective as to what this merger means. This merger went kind of only, I guess it was called at the C level, your CEO level. So this was pretty quiet until the announcement, but this is a, a fairly substantial move for these two companies to be merging and spinning out a brand new media company that's going to give a lot more creative focus into specifically that Warner Media stuff and ultimately the stuff that we talk about a lot here in DC film. 
Yeah, definitely. Like, I think ultimately it's a good thing. Like, I'm always going to be a little gun shy anytime there's big upheaval because as a DC guy, the fear is always that it's going to go away, right? Mm-hmm. That it's going to get left behind and you're going to be putting out the goldfinch and other stuff I don't care about that might be quality, but I'm not as interested in because we've seen that happen kind of thing. But I think ultimately this is going to be a good thing for DC in the long term, being the kind of crown jewel of all the IP that this new company is going to have. Like David Zaslav, who's going to be running the whole thing. He's the Discovery CEO. The first names that he drops was Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman as he's talking about the things that are at the tip of the spear for what the new company is going to be. And it's going to be its own independent company, which I think is good as well, because over the last couple of years, it's been AT&T that have been rolling out what they're doing with Warner media and Warner brothers projects, but they're talking about it in the same statements that they're making about their 5g network that they're (laughs) rolling out across the U S and, and even the things like with the HBO Max rollout, like there's messaging that's coming from a AT&T corporate level and whatnot. So my understanding is that AT&T sold Warner Media. Well, it's, what is it? it's a form of a trust. Yeah. Where they've moved Warner Media under the umbrella of Discovery. And they're just the majority 71% mm-hmm. shareholder now in the new company, but they don't have any... Uh, creative control, so to speak, and they can't dictate what direction things are going in. So it seems like it's going to be a good thing long term. Like it, it just makes sense for me that you take a telecommunications company out of the equation and you put a media and creative company mm-hmm. into the equation. And like the Discovery folks have said, they're like, we don't have anything scripted and we don't have any library. So it's a perfect marriage and like you touched on, they have their network that's international. So that'll probably help get the feet under HBO max a little bit more. And yeah, like, I I don't know if you're, if you're the type of person that was looking for kind of the more niche and experimental filmmaking that Warner brothers was doing with the DC stuff that might go away. It might not. But I definitely think that if you're somebody who's longing for DC to be more reflective of what Disney's doing with Marvel, that'll be what you get. Like, mm-hmm. it, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. Just look at what Discovery does and with, like, their stuff um, with, like, Animal Planet and all those kind of things are positioned to kind of franchise what Disney has done successfully. There, There is no way that the guys at the head of the class are going to say, yeah, you guys just meander about and do what you want to do. And (laughs) we won't, we won't pay any attention to the white hot success that they're having with the Marvel properties over at Disney. Cause there's zero reason the DC property shouldn't be just as successful. So, Mm -hmm. well, how much money changed hands here? 43 billion. Was that the number? Yeah. You're not going to make that back with a little indie flicks centered around like dr fate like i'm sorry there <laughs> carlos i think we, we've talked about it before but you know it'd be nice if they treated the trinity with the care and respect that uh, sometimes we think was lacking mm-hmm. and I, that's kind of where i'm hoping that's kind of what i'm hoping for that 
these three characters will rise to prominence again while at the same time hey let's let's we can there's still lots of room like look what marvel's doing everybody and anybody in the catalog is is apt to get some sort of treatment here you can do it you can it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive you can have great superman wonder woman batman content coming all the time and still have the smaller characters the, even the c and d level characters can still have yeah. compelling content and and so like i that that's i don't have deep thoughts on this but when it did break i'm like oh i wonder how long it's going to take for the uh the, the the snyder bros to get on this oh wait it's already happening <laughs> it's already yeah in the already weeds gotten, like within minutes discovery's twitter feed was flooded with hey guys you can restore the snyder verse <laughs> oh come on guys man i don't think there's any way like we were saying before we started recording no. like david zasloff and toby emmerich who's probably the most gun shy guy about ever touching anything Zack snyder again are long-term friends and collaborators like it's it's not gonna happen no and <laughs> I'm like sorry it, it, it's it's the points that you guys bring up are, are great too because you know when you look at this from even a merger perspective when you're looking at the ip as being like that is the most important thing here is mm -hmm. the ip right and those dc characters are as valuable and in some cases more valuable than the stuff that Marvel has in the right hands. And I've been a part of a corporate merger in the past, not in the media or telecommunications side of things, but in a, a large business sense. And I can tell you from experience is that one of the big things that changes is the company culture, is the company focus. They're, they're gonna go in and they're going to wipe out and clean house the things that are unproductive and the things that are putting up barriers for these IPs. And mm -hmm. so I can see down the road having this amalgamated media company, it's going to do great things, like you're saying, Carlos, for the DCIP. Maybe not immediately. I don't think it's going to halt anything that's going on, but it's going to bring a new set of eyes and a new focus to that IP because you're going to have creatives in charge of it again. They're going to evolve the culture and they're going to refocus it in a way that is productive. Like I think, like you said, with AT&T running, you got a telecoms CEO, you've got people that don't understand that business making key decisions. Now it's in the hands of someone that will give it the right direction and maybe give it the step back and put someone in charge of it. Like you have like a Kevin Feige or something and let it go. You look at what Disney did. They scooped up Pixar, they scooped up Lucasfilm, they scooped up Marvel, but they left for the most part, they left these companies on their own to do their own thing because they were productive. They had a, a substantial and a widely recognized culture of success. That was like, you, you read stuff about Pixar. The biggest fear there was that Disney was gonna come in and screw around with it and Disney-fy Pixar. They just left it alone. I think this is a little different because you have something that maybe is working in some instances and others it's not. So you have to come in and evolve that product and give them the agency to do the things that are working in this space in this environment and i think that they're gonna get there yeah like i think the thing that people miss is that warner brothers isn't set up like disney is with those different mm -hmm. franchises siloed underneath it like to the old guard that was running warner brothers pictures your batman versus superman movie is the same as your goldfinch movie is the same as your harry potter movie is the, like they're just movies to them that they've mm -hmm. made right even look at how they promote stuff on hbo max it's like 
yeah, we gave you Zack Snyder's Justice League, and next month you get the Mayor of Easttown. And it's like, well, no, those aren't the same things, and you're catering to different audiences, mm -hmm. but yet your approach is that you're feeding everybody the same way all the time. And if you just look at how Discovery's channels and their yep. programming is set up, it is pretty reflective of what Disney does. And you might not be able to see it because you're like, well, what does this home improvement show have to do with this cooking show have to do? But they don't stack them on top of each other. They have them in their silos kind of breathing properly. So I think, I don't know, you'll probably squeeze a ton out of the Warner Brothers stuff now. Like I think you'll see oh, yeah. the Looney Tunes have a bunch more prominence and they've had years gone by. You'll see DC have prominence probably see them do something better with harry potter going forward mm -hmm. so now, there's a, a big business there and a lot of the times whether you want to acknowledge or not corporate structure matters for these type of things and and giving yeah. people the freedom to focus and i think your point is, is super valid carlos is that you've got one person who's ultimately or several people a group of people making the same decisions for harry potter and all that as they are for batman as they are for looney tunes and all this. And I, I don't think that creatively that works because you're just looking at these as, as dollars and cents. And I think there needs to be a creative spin on this, a plan. And I don't think you get that unless you start to to break these apart into even some cases more departmental. You've got DC that does their thing. You know what I mean? And and it has someone at the top that's looking and, and is creatively focused. Like, and I go, go read the ride of a lifetime by Bob Iger. Like he's, I love the guy, but like the way he went in and, and work through Disney. And I think you're going to see a lot of that reflected in what they're doing here because it works. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that that's their approach. And even just some of the people at the top of discovery and some of the money men, like these are long time, very successful, very astute business people in that media space. And I think Warner brothers was getting there before the merger. Like I think bringing in people like Ann Sarnoff, who grew all those brands with BBC and with Nickelodeon was steps in that direction. But I think with discovery, that'll be a chance for some of these people to really thrive. So mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Like as long as the money stuff doesn't throttle things going into production and um, them forging ahead with either some of their plans or uh, some of their aspirations with the DC properties, I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I think the best thing that DC has going for it right now with all of this going on is that they have quite a few movies in active production and some mm -hmm. even in post-production, which will be your holdover movies. Because I can tell you, again, from experience, it's going to take years before they sort out all the structure and all that and they kind of iron out what the new culture is. And these DC films that are in production will be the holdovers until you get into a new creatively focused space and something with a bit more of a long-term plan. So I think personally, I think this is great for, for DC. I think we're going to see big things out of them. We're seeing refocusing efforts after this initial phase of, of rebranding and ultimately refocusing underneath of guys like the rock and, and any machete, these type of, of creatives that are, are doing good things for, for the DC brand. So it's crazy. I know that that was maybe a little heavy corporate talk, but I do find stuff like that interesting because it ultimately will have a, a major impact on what we see down the road and what we're talking about in two, three years here in the nerd room. So can't get enough of that stuff. And like I told Sanjay, if you want the Snyderverse back, just pull up a picture of the CEO of discovery and tell me if you think that guy is going to be receptive to hashtag campaigns. Cause I don't think so. 
He looks like an angry dad. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> Your skateboard and stuff. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to move into the anchor segment for this week, our final segment. And that is the Nerve Room Mailbag. So we're going to... We're going to drop the news. We're going to have some fun here with Kyle, with Carlos, with myself, talking through some questions. And thank you to all those that did toss questions our way after we put out uh, a notice just yesterday. <laughs> so we have quite a few questions here. So we're not going to get through all of them. So we do apologize. We will save and maybe we'll tackle some of them with uh, Troy and Sanjay next week. But we are going to kick it off with one of our co-host questions. Sanjay did not want to go without being heard in some form on this week's podcast. So he tossed us a, a light question here and, and maybe one that's a bit appropriate to what Carlos was just talking about there. But Sanjay writes to the three of us here, if you could only watch movies directed by one director for the rest of your lives, who would you choose? Kyle, who would you choose? Well, this to the surprise of nobody, <laughs> I mean, I, real original answer here, but I, I got to go with Spielberg. Oh, of course, man. That's the one I wrote down. (laughs) A few weeks ago, I I tweeted this out with regards to John Williams, but if you tweak it a bit, it also works for for old Stevie here. But if you look at Spielberg's career from, which is, you know, he's been directing forever. But if you start with Jaws in 75 and jump 10 years, just a 10 year segment, you get Jaws, Close Encounters, Raiders, Temple of Doom, and The Color Purple. Guys that's, that's an attenuate stretch. Add another ten small, years to that. Small movies, and then, so then and then jump, take another ten year slice. From eighty nine to ninety nine, you get two Jurassic Park movies, Hook, Schindler's List, mm-hmm. Amistad, and Saving Private Ryan. Like, it, come on! Like it's it's hard to argue that he's not the greatest of all. Just in that twenty year window, like I'm not as as familiar with his like say last 10 movies or so i don't look at them as fondly but those movies that you mentioned are all on the list i wrote out too <laughs> like it's unbelievable and, and, well, I, did i mention i didn't i don't know i didn't have et on my list yeah et mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> come on this guy could feed you for for weeks he's directed 40 50 movies half of them classics i can't blame any like i know it's unoriginal uninspired answer but come on it's 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 a layup it, it might be the only right answer, if I'm being honest with you. Carlos, I'd be interested to see if you would throw something else into the ring here, onto the table. No, man. Like, it, it, it is honestly, he's the ideal guy to go with, right? Because you get everything from E.T. to Munich out of him. Mm-hmm. Such a variety of work and so many, so many different types of films and he hits more often than not. Like you can count Steven Spielberg duds on not even all, you wouldn't even need all the fingers on one of your hands type of thing. And even the ones that might not work for you work in spades for somebody else. So yeah, it. I can't honestly think of anybody else who even comes into the conversation for no. me. Like there's guys I like, like Tim Burton, but I don't want to just watch that all the time. <laughs> like, Christopher Nolan, it's it's all bleak and cold. Like those two guys are very one note, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you can see <laughs> Tim Burton; all his films could be in one universe. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, like I think, to be honest with you, unequivocally, I think there is one answer to this question, <laughs> and it's Steven Spielberg. Like I'd be interested, guys out there, if anyone has 
another opinion on someone that has a filmography that you could live off for the rest of your life that is as deep and as broad as Steven Spielberg. I'm all, I'm all ears, but I honestly think one answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm curious I, I know to what... know what he was thinking when he asked that question. Mind I, you, this it, is the guy that hasn't watched Back to the Future and Saving Private Ryan, so no. there's that. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a director he's thinking of, but... So this this is kind of intersectional. My, one of my co-hosts, Nathan, brought this up to me at one point, And he said, I'd love to see Spielberg in the DC cinematic universe. And the franchise that or the character that he wanted him to do was sort of as a, a if, if they were ever going to relaunch that universe. The, the group that he'd focus on, and I can't remember the name now. One of you guys will know. It's that group of, of pilots from like the, the Second Hawks. World War. The Blackhawks. Yeah. Spielberg would do a killer Blackhawks, sort of as like a table setting for a DC universe. In around the time of um, Ready Player One and the original Wonder Woman, he expressed interest in doing that movie. Yeah. I oh, remember. did he really? Okay, maybe yeah. that's where it came from. Then. I remember so, that coming up recently within the last yeah, year or two. Yeah, because I remember there was talk about having one of Wonder Woman's quote unquote howling commandos, uh, having that as part of his backstory, like maybe Sammy the Moroccan character that he was a pilot with the Blackhawks or something like that. But yeah, he, he would absolutely kill it. Like that's hundred percent in his wheelhouse. I'd love to see that. And, and just like what an anchor to have in, in, in DC Spielberg landed mm -hmm. by DC. <laughs> Let me tell you, you can add it to that, uh, that long list of, of films that I'll be watching for the rest of my life in this scenario. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. All right, Sunny Boy, there it is. I, I want to, it's, it's a good question. I want to hear what Sanjay had to say. <laughs> but, because I, I don't know if he would have picked Spielberg. <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe next week. All right, our next question comes from our boy Baron. He is the co host alongside Sanjay and the boys over at Delayed Offside at Sanjay's other podcast, focusing in and on hockey and particularly Canadian hockey this year, YouTube show. So make sure you go check them out. Delayed Offside. Every single Monday, they have an episode that drops. Now, he writes for us this week. What comic are you reading slash have read that you think would make an amazing movie? And then he's got a follow-up question here that we will tackle more in the collecting space. What set from when you were a kid needs a retro revamp, very similar to the retro Ghostbusters that we've talked about in the past. We're seeing a lot of the retro stuff from Star Wars and Marvel about what needs a retro revamp. So two different questions, but let's start with you, Carlos. What comic whether it's something you're reading now or have you read that you think would make just an incredible movie? I would relaunch Scorched Earth, the DC Universe, <laughs> with Dark Knight over Metropolis. Okay. It's, yeah, Dan Jurgens did it in the 90s, but it was like a quasi-first meeting between Superman and Batman. He kind of played loose with the continuity, how he presented it, as to whether or not these two would run into each other a ton before um or you could certainly present it as a a first meeting type scenario and there's no fisticuffs or anything like that but there is a, a bit of um acrimony between the two and their approaches and investigating this strange death and and i love the way that he plays superman where he's superman he doesn't also have to be like the super scientist super smart guy so that's why he has to 
go to Batman to helping him solve the case and it surrounds a kryptonite ring and whatnot. But it's a it's a beautiful story that kind of tells the uh, forging of this friendship that culminates with um, Superman bestowing kryptonite on Batman saying like, I need to know that the the means to take me down is in the hands of somebody I can trust if it ever comes to that. Ooh, so I like that. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. And you just, it's an early days-ish type Superman and an early days-ish type of Batman. And you could just run from there. Like, it, it's amazing if you kind of stay true to the fundamental core of those characters, like the things you could build off of that. Mm-hmm. And I think people would be receptive. All right, Discovery, are you listening? You listen to my boy here? He's got, <laughs> he's got a whole drawer full of stories for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Lots of scratch notes. I'll even uh, decipher my handwriting for you. <laughs> awesome. That's a great one. What about you, Kyle, man? Something you're reading, something you uh, have read that you think would make a pretty sweet movie. It's tough. Now, like when you ask me the question now, my my brain doesn't go to movie. It, it goes to series mm-hmm. now. And it, I'm, 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 I don't want to say I'm more of a fan of, of streaming and, and uh, episodic shows than, than cinema, but I love the long form mm-hmm. bit of it. And so my brain goes to like, I, I don't want two hours. I want 20 hours. And so I, I know I'm sort of not answering the question, but uh, like Jonathan Hickman did a, a run, a story at, uh, at image called East of West. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And I, I'd love to see that turned into a movie, but it'd probably have to be like a, a five hour movie. So for, <laughs> or, a, or a trilogy or something. But it would, you know, it would work so well on an HBO Max. You know, yeah. something that that plays out over a few seasons. I I love that that whole series. So if they wanted to do it as a movie, okay, I'm in. Yeah. I'll I'll watch it. I will love it. Uh, I personally think it works better as something that, where you can draw it out a bit longer. Anything Hickman needs a little bit more time to it to to build yeah. and get your full story. Like the guy writes comics over years, not. <laughs> And, and 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 I guess a little closer to home, I need I need new Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I need it. They they gotta they gotta bring that guy back, whether it's Charlie Cox or if they recast the role. I I, I need to see I need to see Matt Murdock back in the MCU. Yeah. Sorry, well, I need. I it. know Carlos is with you on that one. <laughs> oh yeah, man! Like that that's my boy right there. And it's funny that you bring up East to West because I was just reading Batman uh, Black and White. And Nick Dragata, who did the art in that book, which is amazing, as you know, he did a story there, but it riffs on East of West. And it's you have these like weird alien creatures, like it's only like an eight page story or whatever running around. But then out of the back cave emerges like this big bat armor tank thing, very much in the style of that series and taking these things down over a big barren wasteland and all these money shots of this thing with a cape flapping in the wind and stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool that that came up again today. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And for me, I'm going to go into the world of Star Wars. And Kyle, I'm going to think I'm going to take a similar vein as you as a, a series here as opposed to a movie. And I think something like Dr. Aphra is is something that I really want in that indie-esque style of of filmmaking. And just with BT triple zero integrating and and getting vader into there a little bit and building off of that from the the her first appearance in the comics i think they could do a really cool episodic style of series with someone like dr dr afra and 
you could kind of give those, which I always love in stores. Mando has done this tenfold is you could touch on little things in the universe in the background while still giving her a focused story. And you could bring in little elements of the things that we love in Star Wars, the little Easter eggs and the connectivity and the tissues that, that tied to the greater universe. You could do so much in there, even going to Tatooine like she does in the comics, right? Like there's 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 a whole bunch you could do with that character. And the character's awesome. I love She's Dr. so Afra. much fun. Yeah. And I for I mean, I can say this, like literally for years, three, four, five years now, I've been beating the drum for Dr. Afra uncharted style video game mm-hmm. oh yeah that would be what sweet. would be cooler than that like that would be so much fun maybe the character deserves a bigger platform but that game is just begging to be made and like all the stuff that you just said tim can put rolled into this video game massive 100 million dollar budget do it yeah get chloe bennett to, to mocap the character do it mm-hmm. what are you waiting for that character is just waiting to do all the stuff you just said tim where she's touching everything in the across the galaxy there's so much just stuff that can be done through that character yeah it, it seems odd that they haven't progressed her outside of the comic books like she's the first one to make the leap from the comic books to the action figure and why they haven't taken this property and said that we can do something in this with a, like a prominent female lead and you've got the sassy droids already built in you've got the touch points to the universe you've got vader you can integrate into there very easily it seems like a dead they ringer. They spun her into a novel. They made an uh, original audio drama yes. out of her. But it's it's like there's like a a glass box around the character that says pr- written print all over it. Like mm-hmm. the character can, is is capable of shouldering more, way more, way more. You could easily throw her into a Disney Plus series, no problem. Six eight episodes, shoot the whole thing on the volume. You're golden, <laughs> golden, absolutely. All right, second part of of Baron's question here. Let's uh, let's take some toys, something that needs a, a retro revamp on it. I, I'm going to take the first one here. What needs a retro revamp? Because I know you guys are both going to be into this because you guys both collected this as a kid. We need a retro relaunch of the Power of the Force line. Come on. Ooh. Whether it's a six inch or even three and three quarter, I, I, think, I, need a, I think I need an update. Even if you want to do a sequel trilogy in that goofy amped up fashion of of action figure i I need something with those green and orange card backs i i want it in the six inch style but dang i think the power of the force 2 could could do something special because we're we're moving in here because what did come out 96 the first the first run so we're we're getting to a point where this is becoming your your quote-unquote vintage right when you get past that 20 year mark and so this is the stuff that guys our age grew up with at least in the star wars space and we've got all this vintage card back stuff come on start giving me a little bit of a revamp hasbro on this power of the force too to me it is ripe right now it is in that window that we talked about last week that nostalgic window that you start Mm -hmm. hanging these blue or these green and orange card back power of the force figures from the pegs see you later they're gone guarantee it that would be pretty interesting, I have to say. I've got a box behind me here filled with about 200 figures from that line. <laughs> I, I think the six-inch scale, even just a small, quick run on the first like five or six figures, I think would be would be justified. That's kind of what I want. But uh, they were they were they were a major piece of the Star Wars revitalization. Huge in, piece. in the mid nineties. Huge. Yeah. They got the, the they had the THX movies to sort of f- fuel the the expense of the special editions. But you had the toys underpinning all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, and man? They what brought did, me right back. What, what are you gonna? 
take back into the retro space. If you had to pivot to a franchise here, you get a little frustrated because you know Power of the Force two six inch figures are coming out. What are you pivoting into? Well, yeah, because if I, if I go to get them on, on the shelves, I know I won't find them, so I got to <laughs> look for something else. Um, and it's it feels does doesn't it feel like we're getting to the end of the line here with we are. with reboots? 100%. It's, but there's one that hasn't been done yet, and I don't know if you guys will remember, but Mask. Ooh. Oh yeah, that's Grab's favorite. <laughs> got to You got to You got to bring the, the mask toys back. Those are those are dying for to to have enough. And actually, the ones that they made are still super cool today. Super cool. But I'd love to see what what today's engineers and toy makers can do, given the technology, and to, to revamp that line would be so awesome. Mm-hmm. That's that's a such cool a unique line. scale too for those those little. I don't know if they were like. Two and a half inch tall figures, two inch figures, such a weird scale, but I love that line for its mm-hmm. uniqueness. Well, even some of that stuff too, you don't even have to do anything different. Like the Ghostbuster stuff is literally just putting out the, the boxes and the the the. I don't know if they're using the same molds or if they've taken casts off of old figures and that, but it's just literally the same stuff. Yeah, and it's that and He Man. Yeah, it's yeah exactly. It's the same stuff. You don't have to do anything to change it. Which is it's it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's gonna be expensive for me, but it's it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Carlos? Uh, you know what? In that same vein as with what you're saying with the Ghostbusters, like I actually was gonna, I found two of mine, and I have very fond memories. And then I was gonna go out and from Snap buy a few of the figures loose, and I got them in my hands, ones that I was chasing, and I was like, these figures are terrible. But I would love to have them in the same packaging that they had back in the day with the beautiful art and its Marvel Secret Wars. Mm, yes. <gasps> they are awful loose figures, but man, are they gorgeous in those original packages with the comic art and with the shields and the little flicker stickers in there and stuff like that. Um, I would love to see those get that treat. Oh, there there we go. Yeah. Secret Wars number one. I, get I that love too. this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool, yeah. man. I, I've been tempted a few times about Snap to Glab to grab, I should say, the loose Captain America from that line. Yeah, but they're like, they're just expensive enough. They're, yeah, but they're not great figures. Like they're they're not like superpowers where they're timeless. Mm-hmm. Like the the Secret Wars figures, they they need to be in the package. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And they're super cool. They're super cool in the in the package. So I, that's the line that I would love. Well, Just, it almost seems yeah. like a dead ringer to do that, given what they're doing with the the Marvel stuff right now, the retro scale that mm-hmm. they've just bled out from the Hasbro or the Kenner stuff they're doing in Star Wars. Like that with the card back just seems like okay. This isn't this is an easy win for us. Yeah, the the little lenticular shields got to cost you pennies to yeah. make and. Off you go. I remember like when that line came out, like I had to have Spider-Man was my guy, but I needed to have Captain America first because I was like, this is dumb. Why do they all have shields? Captain America's the guy with the shield. <laughs> That's got to be my figure. So, yeah. But uh, I, I got Cap and Spidey in my office, and they're not great loose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, they're going to squeeze all the value out of this retro stuff. So I would not be surprised if I'm being completely honest with you to see any of this stuff hit the pegs in the next couple of years, because look, it, it sells man. Retro sells. 
Yeah. If they bring absolutely. back superpowers, that's it for me. I'm done. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Definitely. The main reason I didn't go with it is because Gentle Giant did like that weird version of it a few years ago with like the six inch figures, mm-hmm. but on the retro cards, which was cool. But yeah, if they repackage just superpowers like they do the Ghostbusters, yeah. oh, game over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there Easy. it is. There Easy. it is, Hasbro. You've got committed already here. It's 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 not far off, let me tell you. <laughs> so, all right, moving on to the next one here. This comes from our boy Jared. He's the kind of catalyst for for this actually. And I I've slightly tweaked his question because we have another question coming up right after it that that picks up on a a similar thread here. But this is still in the collecting space and he wanted to pose this question to us from last week's topic. I got him really thinking here. If you could have a character from a show or comic that has a figure but needs an upgrade, so something that exists out there, whether it's in six-inch space, three-inch, three-quarter, whatever, something that or a figure that you want to see upgraded. So who would you choose, Kyle, and why would you choose that figure? Well, Lucasfilm isn't only Star Wars. So what I want, what I need, are six-inch scale Indiana Jones figures. Ooh. I like it's it. It's Lucasfilm 50th. What are they waiting for? Drop it on us already. That line would sell like crazy. Yeah, I like that. Like it's a six right inch there, indie, I would definitely buy it for sure. You've got a movie coming next year. You've got Lucasfilm's 50th this year. How that isn't already in our faces. I don't know what Lucasfilm's thinking. They, they've got to get on this. This Who owns the license for, for indie is... I don't know if that it must be a Hasbro thing. Possibly. I think it's a Hasbro thing. They they there were uh, three and three quarter indie toys twelve years ago. Jeez, I don't even remember that. <laughs> I think they were. I think they're Hasbro. Okay. And I imagine they still have the license. Somebody's got it. Yeah. <laughs> and that 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 there aren't any on the shelves right now with a movie coming. Yeah. They're missing a trick here. Ooh, I like that. I like that. That feels like that feels like a real NECA thing to me to be doing <laughs> to just snag me get me in there that would be the ideal people to do it that's for sure yeah <laughs> what about you carlos man something needs like an upgrade in that space you know we're talking indie upgrade let's get a six inch scale in there and, and produce some of those figures what, what's something that needs to be uh that, that exists out there that needs a, a bit of a facelift i'm gonna cheat and take it into the nerd room arcade space Ooh. and street fighter 2 man like i need some sweet sweet street fighter figures and i know there's a few like on the import side so before you like light me up ian like i know they exist but like i don't want to pay like 250 dollars to have ken and ryu i need that kind of mcfarlane price point 20 30 dollar figures where they're meaty and i can play with them and as i'm taking calls at work i can have blanca going at it with sagat and just have fun with these things some good meaty Street Fighter Two figures. Okay, I That's like that. That's what it. I would love. I like. Yeah, it. there's a couple lines back in the day, but it's been at least twenty years since somebody's done something domestically. So there it is. A big okay. I like it. Street Fighter going a little different here. I'm going with something in the in my Marvel Legends space, my MCU Marvel Legends space. You know, we're getting a lot of figures, a lot of new figures, figures that didn't exist, but something I think needs an upgrade it's just a scale upgrade for me i want a properly scaled hulk buster in that line i need something that you could slide in a six inch iron man figure into that takes up all kinds of dumb space look 
They got there in the Hasbro line with this. I got this giant freaking TIE fighter sitting beside me here. They went there with the speeder. They've got Emphy's Nest bike. They've got it all. I need something in that scale. I need, they, they've got a Hulkbuster, but it, to be honest with you, it's only about 10 inches tall, maybe. And it's not too much bigger than the Ultron. I want something that, that scales nicely with a Hulk. It scales nicely with Iron Man. Just give me that scaled Hulkbuster. I'm in. I'm already in for way too deep on Marvel Legends MCU this this week. Just give it to me. Give me the Infinity Saga scaled Hulkbuster. That's awesome. And that one figure would probably cost as much as Kyle's entire line or my entire line. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it would be like a two hundred plus dollar figure. Haslab it for me. Haslab it for me. Come on. SDCC exclusive. Oh yeah, then I just have to pay the extra premium. Be a four hundred dollar figure at that point. I would still pay it. I think it'd be really cool. Hasbro, man. Come on, we're giving y'all. Well, oh, then then you're thinking about a hot toy, and it's like you play, now, now you're playing the game, Tim. Yeah, I am playing the game. I'm in the hot toy game now. <laughs> just waiting for Marty to give me a call. I'm waiting for weeks, weeks, Marty. All right, very similar question coming from Rob here. He uh, he does express his love for the podcast, which we do really appreciate. And this is moving to an action figure. We just talked about action figures that that needed upgrades from whether it was previous iterations or or something that's been done that just needs to be scaled up here. But an action figure is there an action figure that doesn't exist yet that you are waiting for? So something that hasn't been produced in the past. Or something that uh, has been produced, but maybe not in the style or the way that you want to see it. So his real question here is something you want to add to your collection. And if someone would actually just produce it, you'd have no problem putting that money down. So his example that he puts out here is, if an Age of Apocalypse Colossus Marvel Legend was ever announced, he would head to Hasbro and wait at the end of the production line for the first one to come off. So something that. So Carlos, man, what is something that that needs to be produced in an existing line, say, that you'd be waiting at the end of the production line for it to drop off? Oh, man. Not one, not two, not three, four, five, six, seven, but 800%. <laughs> I want a McFarland Toys Talon figure Oof. from Court of oh. Owls. Oh, I could have him fight all the Batman. Just a sweet McFarland, like... I love all the comic book based figures that that guy does. He'd do it justice. In fact, you could probably use a bunch of the pieces from the Batman as designed by the man himself, Todd McFarlane, because there's lots of spikes and knives all over that guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a sweet talent by Todd McFarlane. And in fact, you could probably do a couple of variations and have a have a few of them. So that's easy answer for me. There that's is, a good man. call. Holy moly. <laughs> Does not surprise me you went the McFarlane route. <laughs> of course. Eight hundred percent, man. Go, <laughs> man. What what's something that, that you need in your collection that no one is doing right now? I'm staying with Carlos and he might actually know my answer. I've I, I know I've vented this to him a few times, but I I have dipped my toes into the McFarlane waters. But I love I love the uh the Bruce Tim animated look. So I've got bats, I've got soups. I need to complete the Trinity. Where's animated Wonder Woman? Why don't we we have the golden fly Wonder Woman? We've got uh, <laughs> we've got the standard Wonder Woman, but where's the Bruce Tim animated style one? I, Uncle Todd, come on, man! <laughs> Surely it like, can't be too far off the production line. They they produce a, a wave a week, so 
<laughs> it's getting I've been waiting a lot of weeks now. now. <laughs> I've been waiting a lot of weeks. Look at the gray in my beard. It's, I'm, it's like I'm doing a playoff beard kind of thing. I'm not going to shave it until they do it. <laughs> wow, that's commitment. I like that. <laughs> I'm lying. I'm not doing that, but I feel like I should. Ah, man, they can't be too far out on something like that. Wonder Woman's such a commodity right now. And mm-hmm. in that McFarland space, especially what they're doing, like I make fun that there's a week, uh, a wave a week, but honestly, the amount that is being produced there at that price, you can't go wrong. Like both of these figures to me seem like something that could be a reality in the not too distant future. Yeah. Like he certainly has his finger on the pulse as to what's popular and he's starting to play with some different stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and it's cool. Like when I was picking up that Grogu, there was two guys walked into the McFarland section and went, bananas for the things that were there and they were buying like things off the beaten path too like uh, thomas wayne flashpoint batman and the bizarro figure and two of them were arguing over like wonder woman with dr fate's helmet so he'll do it if he made wonder woman with dr fate's helmet he'll make your animated (laughs) wonder woman i'm sure brother (laughs) anything at this point I've got the Green Lantern. I know Flash will happen at some point. I'm sure they'll do the orange sequin Aquaman look. It's just that Wonder Woman. I At the very minimum, I need that Trinity. Mm-hmm. Ah, there it is. All right. I'm going to finish this one off. Go on Jurassic Park. This Amber collection, Amber series, has been a been a, a welcome introduction into my nerd room. And I'm, I'm going with, with scale stuff again here. I want large-scale dinosaurs. I want your mm. Triceratops, your Stegosaurus. Give me a freaking T-Rex in this Amber collection with the scale. I don't care what it costs. Bring it on. I got that giant Brachiosaurus that is more scaled to three and three quarter inch. I, I want something big that scales to these six inch figures. And I want it in the big dinosaur. And to be honest with you, I want them to go to like that rotocast, like that soft skin kind of look that they've done in the past with the original figures. If I have to fill my room with a a two foot t-rex to scale it properly i'm there <laughs> my wife might be happy i got to get a bigger room but that's what i want to see if, if i'm waiting for something it's going to be in that jurassic park amber series they've, they've done the smaller dinosaurs they're scaling up a little bit here with some of the larger flying dinosaurs there pterodactyls and that but let's see if they they decide to pull the trigger on something even even a triceratops i think would be a be a nice first shot at something like this maybe save the t-rex for a little bit down the road because that'd be quite a uh, quite a figure. SDCC exclusive, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Mattel, get on some scaled dinosaurs for me. Are the Raptors to scale? They are pretty close. I maybe not exactly, but they're not far off. To be honest with you, like like the best comparison, you know, you're looking at your Muldoon almost head to head with them. And then even into Jurassic World, like when he's standing in front of Owen Grady there. So, yeah, I would say they're pretty close to scale, if not exact. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Very, very close. All right. Guys, we're going to close this one out this week. This last question from the Nerd Room Mailbag here. And this comes from our dear friend Zeddy over at the Vigilante 1939. Make sure to go check those guys out every single week. Breaking down nerd. Breaking down geek. And they've got... a. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Busiest men in podcasting and writing over at Let's Go as well. So Zeddy writes, dear, the fine folks over at the Nerd Room, I'm very curious to know if the one, the only, the the God producer, Kevin Feige, were to grant you creative decisions on a film that you could greenlight, whether it be a team-up or a solo, 
what would it be and why? And he's got a quick follow-up here being Star Wars, guys. Do we do we prefer period piece storytelling, similar to what we got in Captain America, or do we prefer that modern-day storytelling that we get in most of the MCU films here? So you're Kevin Feige, Kyle. What are you greenlighting and why? I mentioned the name already tonight, but I'm doing a team-up movie, Spider-Man Daredevil. Oof. Oof. I'm on Stole board. mine. You come on my show and you steal mine. <laughs> <laughs> all day man i would be first in line for that movie put in slot in uh, kingpin as the villain i know we got that yeah. kind of but i want to see, see spider-man also up against the kingpin in live action not edge of spider uh spider verse was great uh the video game that they had in 2017 also great but a live action uh spider-man versus versus kingpin with daredevil in tow stick put another fork in me that that's that's i'm done it's over oh just the mcu version of daredevil's costume that would be enough <laughs> like that'd be enough oh. is this is this a film or a series for you that you're green lighting i think i will go film on this one okay just a just a banger of a two-hour flick i think that would just be so so much fun awesome awesome all right you're taking the role carlos of my favorite person on planet Earth, and Kevin Feige. <laughs> what, what are you greenlighting here that is... Well, we've already got the Spider-Man Daredevil greenlit. So what's your follow-up here? That that would be the ultimate. Like, I thought for sure I was safe because I was like, ah, right, we got Kyle. He's going Wolverine for sure. <laughs> Kyle's going Wolverine. So that that's cool. And, like, in all honesty, it would probably be a version of Iron Fist done well for me. Mm-hmm. But... I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path here. Staring off at some NECAs. I had some inspiration strike. I'm doing Last Hunt, but not Craven's Last Hunt. I'm having Craven stalking Spider-Man in New York City while he's being stalked by the Predator. Because all that stuff falls under Disney's umbrella now. (laughs) There it is. So a bit of a... Like, it it would ultimately be... Because that's the predator's thing, right? Is to always go after the the greatest prey, the whoever's going to be the the rival for being the greatest hunter. So it would be a battle of the hunters Ooh. between Craven and the Predator, with uh, Spider Man stuck in the middle. And uh, off we go. You know what? Because Zeddy asked the question, we'll even throw him in the black costume just because. You know, we'll work some something out where Peter figures out that the Predator uses like the ultraviolet, and so he concocts the black costume to stay invisible to the predator and uh off we go well some symbiote versus versus predator action would be pretty cool too symbiote would be amazing but symbiote is just it's so op now for me like having come out of king and black i'm like man i love symbiotes got them tattooed on my body but it's like these things are so powerful now (laughs) that they're they're starting to not be interesting anymore there's a time you could beat them with church bells but that time is gone. <laughs> well, and I think we all saw the Venom 2 trailer last week, and we're all, yep. uh, yeah. All right. Same, I think you had the same opinion. That's us. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Well, because, like, the last time I read Venom, to be honest with you, was Agent Venom in a Guardian's book, and they took him back to the symbiote planet and, like, did, like, a reset on on the symbiote. Yeah. And, and took everything out of him and gave him a, a different power set and all that. But anyways, look, my dream would be to be Kevin Feige. Like I could, even if he even wants, I could be his protege. I can, 
can tutor me, he can bring me up, and I can green light my own film. What I'm doing, I'm doing Nova Court. I'm going oh. Richard Ryder, and I'm going just way out, intergalactic, nothing to do with Earth, them running the show out there. And even if you want to dump Annihilation or Annihilus and the Annihilation wave into it and build it into a much larger, larger saga where you have the impending Annihilation wave heading towards Earth. But yeah, something around the Nova Corp. And not really the, the Guardians of the Galaxy Nova Corp that we got that were just kind of like police, like proper Nova Corp with power sets. Very similar, one would say. And I would be trying to do this. I'd be trying to beat DC with getting Nova Corps on screen before Green Lanterns. Kind of going a bit more with the, the amped up power sets that we do see in some of the 2006, 2007 Nova Corp stuff and Richard Ryder. I, I don't know why Nova is is so far out. It's because James Gunn didn't like him, but Richard Ryder needs to happen. And I, I think I would probably do a movie as well. It, it seems maybe a bit more fitting for a series, but I think you could do a, quite a banger of a movie too that uh, ultimately leads into something a little bigger. One of my favorite comic book runs, and that's uh, Annihilation. So that's what I'm doing. Nova Corp. We'll see. I'm sure we'll see it in the future. But maybe Feige's listening and he'll hire me. Who knows? So just to finish this off, Zeddy asks, period piece, modern day. What are you guys What are you guys making? Maybe not the films that you mentioned, but if you're greenlighting films, or what do you prefer, really, in in this space? Is it, Carlos, is it period pieces for you, or do you like the modern day takes? Oh, I, I like the modern stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just thriving so much in this contemporary world mm-hmm. with all these characters interacting and um, existing on top of each other that I think at this point in time with the franchise, you almost do yourself a disservice with period pieces. Like yeah. Captain America was in a unique space because it, it quite frankly needed to be a period piece, but yeah, a contemporary. Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are your thoughts on that one, Kyle? Uh, yeah, similar. I mean, I, I loved when they do the period pieces. I love Wonder Woman. I love First Avenger. They're done so well, even looking at uh, X-Men First Class. They capture some of these periods so well. Um, but yeah, they, they, they just hit so many home runs with the modern stuff that it's hard to deviate. Mm-hmm. What I would like to see, though, I would love, love, love if the, when they get around to Fantastic Four, it is set in 1961. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love for them to just get that dweeby family parked in the 60s with all the beatniks and hippies and blah, blah, blah. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I think I think, I think it would be appropriate too, right? Like we're sitting here now at what, the 60th anniversary of that of that first family of Marvel? I'm, and I I think they should take a stab at, at you know, put it starting them in the past, but then toss them back up into like 2023, whatever, whenever that movie comes out. Yeah. Probably much further than that, but whenever it comes out, start them in the past and then haul them into the future. Marvel's going to need a new man out of time. So might not make it out of family out of time this mm-hmm. time and, and just haul them all forward. But start, give us, give us at least half a movie set in the sixties with that, uh, with that group. I think that'd be, that would be so much fun. Oh man. The crossover is back there. You could do already. It's already, it's already built in with your Howard Starks and, Hank Pims, you could do so much there. I think there's a script in in your drawer there, Carlos as well. Yeah, could be, could be <laughs> involving I'm, the negative zone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm I'm right there with you guys. I think 
the period pieces are necessary for for some and i am a sucker for some period pieces specifically world war ii ones i love captain america the first avenger and a lot of the aesthetic around the world war ii setting does it for me but they are definitely one-offs i think that like you said carlos these things thrive in being in the, the contemporary space and modern space but i think in certain instances like you're saying too kyle that you can do the period pieces and you can work. And I, I love the aesthetic of a good period piece. And when it's done well, the the 90s stuff they did in Captain Marvel wasn't, I don't think, as appealing as going back to, say, like you said, the 60s or or in Captain America's case, back to the the late 30s, early 40s. But when done right, I think that they can, they can have a, a certain allure to them that most movies can't quite capture. But yeah, I think a nice balance is, is always appropriate in in that space, in that filmmaking space, especially when you're when you're running parallel with a whole bunch of other stories that uh, that are running at the same time. But guys, that, that brings us to the end. So thank you to everyone that submitted questions and thank you and sorry to those that submitted questions. Stu, JD, we'll get to your questions maybe next week when Troy and Sandra are back at the table. But Kyle, my dude, thank you so much for joining this week and, and filling in the big shoes left by Sanjay and Troy. It's always a pleasure to have you here and I want to give you an opportunity to pump everything that you are doing all the great work you're doing over at Tumbling Saber. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. It's been, again, as always, it's so nice to deviate from the galaxy far, far away and come talk about this other stuff that that occupies the <laughs> other spaces in my head and get it all out once in a while. And it's it's nice to talk to you guys for sure. Uh, so thanks for having me. Uh, I was short notice, but I, whenever I can do it, I will absolutely do it. And today it worked out and I'm I'm happy it did. But uh, if you enjoy Star Wars and you want to throw some Star Wars into your podcast feed, just look up Tumbling Saber on all the places, uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all, all, all the places. And uh, you'll find us there. Otherwise, I am on Twitter at Tumbling Saber. That's the best place to find me on social media. And uh, love to, you know, heavily Star Wars branded. But I'm willing to talk about any of this nerdy stuff because it's, it's it just keeps us afloat. It certainly does. Certainly does. And like I've always said, appointment listen for the boys over at Tumbling Saber. And it's great to have you guys back at the mics. That is for sure. And for us guys, you can find everything that we do over at the nerdroom.net. The hunt is real. And you can find that over on Instagram at the nerd RM. You can see Grogu's up there. There's a new hot toy that has gone up there. There's going to be an Ecto-1 Lego going up there by this weekend. So you can see everything we're doing over in the collecting space from Star Wars Marvel DC and beyond. Of course, if you want to be a bigger part of this show, including emailing questions in, you can always find us at the nerdram at gmail.com and Twitter, like Kyle said, that's where we do most of our discussing, most of our hanging out. So our handles are, of course, at the end of the episode. And thank you again, Kyle, for joining us this week. And I will say... Until next week, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Batman. I'm Kyle. And thank you guys very much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.